Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the Africast. My name is Brendan Lotz and joining me as always is Clinton Matos. Hello again everybody. And Robin Lichetti. Howdy. Uh, how are you guys doing? You have a good week? Looking forward to the weekend? Yeah, I'm actually very much looking forward to the weekend. I think a lot of times I'm like, oh, it's just two more days and then it's work again. But I've uh, got some stuff I'm doing, should be fun. And there's been no load shedding this week, so I feel like there's no reason for me to complain. Yeah, I totally feel the same. And yourself, Robin? I don't know. Every minute we edge closer to death. Um, it's just one of those weeks, unfortunately. Robin is uh, <laughs> Robin is stuck looking for real estate for an office for us. Um yeah, have you guys? Do you guys watch Auntie Donna? They put out a skit about uh, real yeah, about real estate agents that I can't mention in good company. <laughs> that uh, that just reminds me of that, Robin. I'll, I'll send you that. You'll uh, you'll have a good chuckle. Uh, right, let's get into the news of the week. Uh, Robin, you've got some interesting information about safe vehicles in South Africa. Yes, so the Automobile Association of South Africa, otherwise known as the AA, they released a report around the entry-level vehicle safety, Um, so ELVS. They looked at vehicles that are available uh, this year, and they ranked 38 different cars in South Africa based on, I guess, and categorized them in three different ways, either that they were deemed to be... uh, very safe, uh, moderately safe, or had a poor safety rating. So um, they kind of do this stuff all the time. And what I just kind of found interesting is that um, one, that one kind of manufacturer kind of stood out uh, apart from the rest. And that two, that seems to be, I guess, a lack of local testing, uh, specifically crash testing. So that's kind of one of the notes that the AA kind of released in the report is that a lot of the scores that they that they gave these cars, um, a lot of them actually got scored poorly, purely for the fact that there is no local uh, kind of equivalent to the NCAP test that happens here in South Africa. So it, I guess it's it, it's perhaps good on one uh, aspect because at least as a journalist, that's something that we always struggle with is that there's a real lack of localization mm. uh, when it comes to how international companies kind of operate in South Africa. And obviously it's a bad thing because again, now we don't have, I guess, local context as far as crash testing goes. Um, but the actual report itself, uh, we have a link to it. Uh, you can download it as a PDF if you want to kind of scrutinize the numbers a bit more uh in a bit more detail, uh, but I guess the kind of overarching thing here is uh, Suzuki, uh, the Japanese car maker, ranked pretty well. Of the 38 cars, uh, it had the vast majority. In the top 10, for example, uh, seven of them were Suzuki yeah. vehicles. So yeah, they, they did pretty well. Um, that said, uh, the AA's testing, uh, you could get a maximum score of 135. Uh, unfortunately, none of the vehicles that are tested here as far as their safety features are concerned got close to that. Um, the highest was the Fiat 500, uh, 0.9-litre four, uh, four-wheel drive SMT. That scored 90 points. Um, and then four Suzuki vehicles, uh, Celerio, Swift, Desire, and Bellino, all scored 80 points, uh, rounding up the kind of top five. Um, so, yeah... <laughs> The AA says that a lot, a lot of, I guess, strides have been made as far as uh, safety for kind of entry-level or budget vehicles are concerned in South Africa. Um, a lot of, I guess, safety features are a bit more ubiquitous these days. But it also says that uh, a lot of manufacturers are quite happy to just give the bare minimum. Um, so it, it, it is, a, I guess, a good report to look at if you are considering buying a, a budget car. Also, just something to keep in mind as far as kind of how manufacturers 
what, what kind of efforts they put into their vehicles. And it seems, based on this report at least, that Suzuki kind of shines above the rest um, as far as what it's able to do. But if you are wanting to get, I guess, the best value, uh, it looks like that Fiat 500 is the way to go if you're looking for a budget car. Uh, Robin, just on that, I, I'm, I don't exactly agree with them saying budget. What is the price range of these cars? So as, uh, I guess, everything uh, this year has been uh, increasing in price, they've had to actually increase the price limit that they use to frame a quote-unquote budget or entry-level car. So the maximum price uh, a car can be is 270,000 Rand. So the Fiat 500, for example, was 223,900. That's, I guess, from that price. Uh, depends on what kind of other specs you add to that. And then the Suzuki ones, uh, the next three kind of range between 175,000 to 185,000. And then the Belena, which came in fifth, was around 221,000. So again, these are probably going to be more expensive than going second or third hand. Uh, but yeah. That's kind of how they framed it. Unfortunately, like everything in South Africa this year, everything's gone up in price. That gave me a real sticker shock because I was reading, uh, I think you put the price that they did this in, in like the second paragraph. And I read the first paragraph of your story and I'm, I was thinking like, okay, like 100,000 is like the maximum, the absolute maximum of what I would consider with huge quotation marks budget. And then for it to be almost three times that price was a, uh, Severe whiplash. Uh, the yeah, cars, the cars couldn't protect me from that whiplash. I, I honestly don't know how the first-hand automobile market survives in South Africa or any country. They are so expensive, and I think the reality for most people in this country and many other countries is second, third, fourth-hand. And I say this, you know, not out of disrespect. I drive. Or I drive a, a like tenth hand car and I'm very happy with it. It was very cheap and I, I own it. I don't need to pay loans or anything and I'm very happy with it. Maybe I'm just coming at this from the wrong kind of mindset. I've always bought second hand cars like this, but I just did I, I wanted people to know what that amount was and the fact that it kind of shocked me. Yeah, I've been spot on. I think although these are deemed entry level, this is probably gonna be the maximum that a lot of people can afford to spend if they are looking at a new car. I mean, yeah. other, other kind of price ranges just simply are uh, outside people's budgets. It's crazy. But you, you still that. see people. I mean, I used to, uh, a friend of mine used to work for a, <clears throat> a vehicle dealer um, and they had like targets of like selling thousands of cars every month and they would meet those targets. So there's clearly an appetite for new vehicles in South Africa maybe we just uh, aren't well off enough to be seeing yeah. that, you know? Sorry, I know we need to move on to the next story. I just do want to say, I can't remember when it was, but I think most um, car dealerships are basically just finance companies. They make most of their money from like um, uh, loan repayment. So I think it's also worth keeping that in mind. I think people, even people who are better off who are looking to buy a brand new car, they probably aren't buying it in cash and walking away. They're probably getting it on some kind of uh, financing. So that's also worth considering. Yeah, I think those days of cash in hand is long gone. Yeah. Right, let's move on to something that's still expensive but more affordable. Lego. Clinton, <laughs> there's a fifth Lego store opening oh. in South Africa. 
Jeez, I mean, compared to a, a real car, it is kind of cheaper, but not really. So a, a lot of people are kind of surprised to learn that South Africa does have official Lego stores. Now, it's just worth mentioning something here for people who are a bit pedantic about all of this. In other countries, I think almost every other country, a Lego store, or it's also called a Lego brand store, is a store operated by Lego themselves. But in South Africa, it's actually operated by a third-party company called Great Yellow Brick, who owns the exclusive rights to um, have these stores, and they are called Lego Certified Stores. Sorry, it's a bit of a word salad. Um, that doesn't mean anything for most people who just want to go and buy stuff. But for the consumer, it is worth remembering because Lego stores have exclusive sets that you can't get anywhere else. And also, they have something called Gift with Purchases, which is basically every few months, there'll be a selection of sets that you get, quote unquote, for free when you buy a certain number of products or one specific product or over a certain threshold. So I just wanted to put that out there if people are reading this and wondering, oh, it's just another toy store. It's not. There are some differences, some you don't need to worry about, and some do actually impact where you want to buy your stuff. So this will be the fifth store. Um, for those who didn't know, the first store was opened in Santon. And since then, there has been another one in Menland Park in Pretoria, Canal Walk in Cape Town, and a Gateway in Durban. So this next one was a bit funny because they put it out as they just put a picture. They're like, oh, coming October, we'll announce more soon. But people quickly figured out that it's the Mall of Africa. And the way they did that is because the announcement of the store opening also came with an open call for people to apply to work there. And on the form, it says Mall of Africa. So it, was a, it wasn't the best kept secret. I think people found it out uh, within seconds of them posting it. So, I mean, the secret is out. And we spoke to a representative from Great Yellow Brick, um, the, actually the co-founder, Robert Greenstein. And... He just said, yeah, it's all of Africa. He, he he wasn't saying to me, oh, if you could just like tell the readers, we'll announce it later. No, he did just outright say all of Africa. So again, uh, for the consumers, there's a lot of good stuff happening. Um, he says there's going to be specials and giveaways um, and great activities. So we don't know what those activities are, but giveaways and prizes are always exciting. And something else that's really interesting is that this will be a store of the future. And that's not something he came up with, um, you know, just out of thin air. This is a term that Lego itself is using. And it worked with a company called Tracy Lock. And they opened the store of the future stores earlier this year in New York, Barcelona, and then, oh, I can't pronounce this. It's a city in China. I'm not going <laughs> to... So America, Spain, and China all have these new fancy stores of the future. I haven't been to any of them, but I guess now I don't need to go to them because I can just stay in South Africa. So that is opening up in October, and we're just really excited about that. Um, yeah, and they are, like I mentioned, they are looking for people to staff the place. I'll put a link to all of that. So I think out of the three of us, I'm the most excited by far. Um, I know you. we've talked about Lego in the past. You guys don't really paid much mind but for me it's very exciting and for me it's also really surprising um i you know i don't work for them obviously and uh, i'm not involved with this other than someone who likes lego but like robin said everything's becoming more expensive everything's going towards a downturn lots of people are saying the word recession i wouldn't have thought that a new store was on the cards and i'm very happy that there is because they must be doing something right Hopefully, you know, <laughs> hopefully this isn't one of the cases where like the wheels were turning to already get this done 
and they just got it done now or whatever. But I think it, it must be going semi-well um, for them to open the store. So I'm very excited about that. I will hopefully, they usually have a, a launch event that sometimes public, sometimes closed. I'll hopefully be at that and I can report on it. And yeah, this looks really cool. Uh, another reason to visit the Mall of Africa. Have you guys been to the Mall of Africa? I know some people who still haven't gone to give it a look. Uh, I have, and thanks, I hate it. <laughs> Why? It's so big. It's yeah, so it needlessly is. big. It's like uh, Menlin in Pretoria. It's just I so actually... big that... Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, and it's you... the same stores as every other mall in South Africa. Cool. It's just bigger. And you, and you Robin? Yeah, I go there quite often. It used to be in my neck of the woods. Um, I mean, Brennan does say it's big, but have you ever been to like Gateway or oh, yeah, Gateway Century yeah. City? Or yeah. Canal Walk? That's crazy. Mm. That's even worse, probably. I uh, I have such a, a, a story that makes me sound like an idiot. I won't tell the whole thing here, but basically when Mall of Africa just opened, I went there for a movie preview for, um, you know, for a review. And I got hopelessly lost in there at like 12 o'clock at night because they hadn't, it was so new that there was still building parts of it and there was no signage. Uh, so I couldn't find where I parked. And I also found out later I had parked in the employee sub-level and that employee <laughs> sub-level has never been marked. Even now, years later, the employee sub-level is like kind of hidden, but you can just drive right into it as a member of the public. So that's not the the smartest design, but I felt like a real like a real chop that I was trapped in there. But anyway, that is the fifth Lego store in South Africa, opening sometime in October in Mall of Africa. We will have more information about that when it becomes available. Cool. Let's talk about Meta very quickly. Meta released Ugh. its financial report for the second quarter of the year this week, uh, and things went good. Revenue fell one percent from twenty nine point zero seven billion in quarter two of twenty twenty uh, of twenty twenty one to twenty eight point eight two billion in the same quarter for twenty twenty two. So it's a one percent drop, which doesn't seem like that big of a deal, except in the current era of Silicon Valley, if you're not going up things aren't good. What caused this dip in revenue? Uh, according to Meta, weak advertising demand. Um, they believe that moving into the third quarter as well, weak advertising demand uh, will continue. And they believe that it's driven by a broader macroeconomic uncertainty. Uh, to sum up, they believe that there's a recession or they don't believe that there's a recession, or rather the world believes that there's a recession happening and people are cutting back on their advertising budget, which makes sense. Um, they also anticipate that third quarter reality labs revenue to be lower than the second quarter revenue, which is concerning. We'll get to that in a moment. But for now, it appears as if Apple's app tracking transparency has really done a number on, on Meta. Um, this was a feature that was introduced last year by Apple, which gives users the option to prevent apps from tracking them across other apps and the web. Uh, essentially, that kind of kneecaps Facebook's advertising uh, play because it relies on data and providing contextual data to advertisers. Now, without that contextual data, um, they can't really target advertising at people. Um, it's not good news for marketers and it's not good news for Meta. Now, the Reality Labs uh, side of things. Now, Reality Labs is the side of Meta which is responsible for building out the Metaverse, whatever that is. Uh, but this week, the MetaQuest 2 VR headset uh, saw a price increase by $100 across the board. Um, 
And Meta said that this is due to the cost of production and shipping going uh, increasing, uh, which has led many in the industry to believe that Meta was selling this at cost or at a loss, and that is no longer tenable. Um, Reality Labs' revenue for this quarter fell by as much as $2.8 billion compared to the same quarter a year ago. Uh, this is really concerning. And what makes this even more concerning is that uh, in sort of forward-looking statements, uh, the chief financial officer for Meta, David Wiener, kind of highlighted that the two most important aspects of, or the two most important areas of investment for Meta are reels and artificial intelligence. Uh, this, Wiener says, positions us to have a stronger ad business, especially when the macroeconomic conditions improves. So essentially what Meta is planning on is that by investing in reels and getting folks onto reels, then using artificial intelligence to kind of observe how they're using that and feeding them advertising, that will put them in a good place when the advertisers do start coming back. I don't know if that's a good thing because we saw earlier this week a massive amount of backlash uh, when Facebook or when Instagram uh, pushed out a, a, a kind of layout change. Um, making it look more like TikTok. And folks don't want TikTok. They have TikTok already. They don't need a Facebook version of TikTok. Uh, so there's a lot of backlash towards that. Uh, Adam Mosseri also drew some fire this week. Uh, he's the, the head of Instagram. Uh, he also drew some fire this week because uh, all folks want from Instagram is a chronological time feed with their friends. And despite having said in previous uh, previous updates that it's something that Instagram is exploring, it, it doesn't feel like it because it doesn't provide growth for Instagram uh, by not having advertisers on your feed. The problem is, is that now most users simply, uh, I don't know about you guys, but when I open Instagram, I'll go and check my stories and my messages, and then I close the application because there's nothing really there for me. I don't see my, uh, I don't see my friends posts. I don't see anything of value to me except the advertising and posts Instagram thinks I want to see. Uh, so things aren't going well at Facebook. Uh, last quarter, it's, uh, it, it saw a dip in user numbers. Um, now there's a revenue dip. Uh, so things aren't going very well. Um, I don't know what Zuckerberg and pals are going to do, but they obviously need to do something to address this, uh, especially if things like Apple's ATT is costing it 10 billion, uh, like it did in 2021. Um, I don't know if, if Meta can turn the ship around. Um, but I think that it kind of has to. That having been said, as I mentioned at the top of this this piece, Silicon Valley firms have this idea that they must continue to grow forever. And that's just unattainable. Like I know Facebook and social media firms see the entire human population as the ultimate end goal, but that's a stupid end goal to set yourself because not everybody is going to want to use your platform. Just like Musk decided that he was going to increase uh, Twitter's user numbers without taking into consideration that, hey, you know what, maybe after all this time that Twitter has been around, folks just don't want to use it. And that's okay. But chasing growth forever and ever just does not seem like a sustainable business model. Um, but yeah, let's see what Meta does. Let's see if it can make a metaverse, whatever the hell that is. Yeah, it also has to worry about uh, a looming lawsuit from another company called Meta. Mm. Oh, Not yeah. to mention Google's uh, whole third-party cookie issue as well that they're looking to push. So, best Man, of luck. big tech, big tech. What are you guys doing over there? 
do like it when the big companies uh, fight. I do like, I hate Apple <laughs> vehemently. <laughs> I really don't like their company, but I do like that they kind of uh, screwed Facebook over with yeah. the whole privacy thing. I also just appreciate the extra privacy, even though I don't use an Apple product. Yeah. Um, that was, what a what a good move. It's like, it's so rare for a company to do something good when it happens. You're like, oh my God. Hey. I'm like, Pinch me, I'm dreaming. Even a broken clock is right twice a day. Yeah, but those they love right like once every 10 years anyway. Right, let's get into the... Oh, well, I don't want to say the meats and potatoes because I always say that, but <laughs> I guess that's what it is now. It's like my catchphrase. Um, this month ends this weekend. Uh, I didn't realize that until I looked at the calendar. Uh, but on Monday, we start August, Women's Month, which uh, hopefully is a good month. Um, but we want to look forward to some things that are coming, some releases that are dropping throughout the month. Um, so I think let's start with you, Clinton, and let's start with a movie, uh, that everybody seems to be highly anticipating, Prey. Yes. Yeah, so it's a bit weird because every time we talk about stuff we're looking forward to, we kind of have to talk about, oh, I don't know if this is going to be good. You know, <laughs> that's why I'm talking about it because it's going to come out. I've, uh, I've already seen Prey. So if you're wondering how that is, um, big thanks to Disney South Africa. They offered me an early screening of it. Um, and if you're even more confused by that statement, uh, you may be living in a different country. That's because in countries which have Hulu, the movie Prey will launch on Hulu exclusively on the 5th of August. But in South Africa and many other countries, I think also in Australia or the UK when I was looking this up, it is um, on Disney+. Plus. So we have confirmation it's 100% confirmed. 5th August when it launches will be on Disney Plus. And I've seen it. I under embargo, I can't review it, but I can give you my general thoughts. My general thoughts are it's pretty good. Um <laughs> I think a lot of people have said it's the best prey movie since the first one. And I want to say I came up with that conclusion independently. Um <laughs> I think it's just I think it's a it's a case of one of those situations where the first movie in the franchise is just so influential and so beloved and so well remembered that the sequels didn't really um, deliver. And then when a movie comes and it kind of goes back to for well, this doesn't really go back to formula, but when it it brings back a lot of the elements that made that first movie so good, people will say this is the best one since the original. And I do want to say that some people have said they like it more than the original. Um, I'm not entirely sure about that. I don't know. You know, when you talk about a franchise like this, you don't know how much of it um, is like nostalgia or just like uh, media leaking into your brain. But I, I do still like the first one. I did see it recently. I do still like it a bit more. But I really like this one. And I'm not going to talk about it too much just because I will have a review in August. Uh, again, I am under embargo. But I can give you my general thoughts. That's what the agreement says. And my thoughts are very positive. I like the spin um, that they put on it. For those who haven't seen the trailers, you can check out the trailer. Basically, this isn't in the present day. This is, um, uh, I can't remember the exact year they did say, but it is the Comanche tribe of Native Americans and one of theirs needs to fight the predator. And I can't really give you more than that. Check out the uh, trailer for a bit more context. But it's really interesting because the predator has always been an advanced hunter, mm. right? It had the camouflage and the, the weapons and everything. Um, so to put it against people who don't even have guns um, is really interesting. 
and the way they kind of got around that and the way they did the action to accommodate all of that was really great. So I'm not going to say much more just because, again, I am under embargo. You can check out my review in August. And all I can say right now is I do recommend it. If you already have a subscription to Hulu or Disney+, Plus, depending on your country, I would highly recommend you check it out. If you're a fan of the first Prey and the other Prey since then haven't done it for you, you should definitely check it out. Um, did you guys watch this trailer? Did What did it look like to you? Okay, I'll go. Um, I haven't seen the trailer, but I did just look up the cast while you while when you mentioned that you were going to talk about Prey earlier. And I'm actually really impressed how many uh, Native Americans are in the cast. Yes. Like, I would have thought that given Hollywood's uh, history of whitewashing, uh, I maybe wrongly assumed that they would do that. Uh, but I, I see that there's a really strong number of Native American actors here, which is awesome. And the, again, this isn't a spoiler. There is, uh, you do see in the trailer, there are some, I don't know if the characters are actually French. I mean, the actors, but there are some, They in the movie, they call trappers. So they are trappers from France in the movie. Um, and they obviously aren't Native American, but you don't spend a lot of time with them. So for the most part, this is um, a movie with a mostly Native American cast, which is really cool. Um we will actually have some interviews with people oh. involved in the movie. Not not this week, um, soon. Uh, the interviews have already been done. And I can say that um, they were they were also saying, you know, we this hasn't really been done before, so mm. that made it extra interesting, which I 100% agree with. Um, I think we in the, we had a roundtable kind of media junket, and people, I don't think anyone could actually think of a project like this. So that also yeah. makes it really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Really, really cool. Robin, do you have anything to add? Uh, no, I just know that the lead actress was in uh, Legion, that yes. FX series. Yeah. And she was I haven't, that, so. I haven't yeah. seen that. I, uh, I, I've i been mean, there's, there's so much stuff to watch. Yeah, first season's like, amazing, but second season, it's, it's hard to follow. But yeah. Uh, you, you know what's badass name? Amber Mid Thunder. Yeah, that's such a cool <laughs> name. Um, what's really interesting, as are you, I just, I will. Uh, Go on to the next topic soon. I just did want to mention FX. I didn't know is also owned by Disney. Um, so Always Sunny in Philadelphia is on Disney Plus, which is endlessly funny to me. And I also covered this on the site. Um, there is a new series called Welcome to Wrexham, where you have one of the actors from Always Sunny and Ryan Reynolds buying a football team in Wales, which is really weird. And overseas again, that's on FX, but in South Africa, it's going to be on Disney Plus. Can't wait for the crossover with uh, what's his name. Ted, oh, Ted, uh, Ted Lasso. Oh my gosh. Ted Lasso. Okay, yes, yes. I everyone says we watch that. That's like on another streaming service, isn't it? On Apple or yeah, something. It's on Apple. So I, I oh expect there to be crossover episodes and. Well, I mean, Ted Lasso is uh is fictional. The Welcome to Wrexham is actually a documentary. Oh, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, so yeah, that's the movie. Pray, check it out. Um, who is going next in our little uh, round? I'll go next because I'm sort of talking about something that we have mentioned in previous podcasts. But uh, in terms of movies that I'm looking forward to, because I hate going to the cinema, um, <laughs> I'm really excited for for Lightyear to come to uh, Disney+. Plus. Um, the reason for that is that I like Toy Story was one of the first like new age animated movies that I watched, um, this 3D animation style from Pixar, and I loved it. 
Uh, so much so that my gamer tag for many years used to be Buzz Lightyear because it uh, contained all the letters of my uh, of my initials. Um, <laughs> so I'm really, really excited to watch uh, Lightyear. I know that there's been a lot of backlash uh, from people saying that there was a lesbian kiss that ruined their children forever. Okay, I think you're overreacting. Um, but I'm really, really excited to see this, especially because I'm a big fan of... Um, Chris, what? Chris, what's his name? Evans. There's Chris so Evans. many. I nearly yes. said Chris Pratt. So there's so many Chris's in the MCU. I whoever gets it wrong, I hold no judgment. There's yeah. so many Chris's. Um, so I'm really excited to see him uh, in a voice acting role. Um, I know that he's done it a couple of times, but I'm so sick of seeing his face. Uh, I know women are gasping everywhere, but women and men <laughs> probably. But I'm just so sick and tired of seeing his face. And it'll be nice to not see him and go, "Oh, Captain America." Um, so I'm really, really excited for that. And I kind of like how Disney is staggering its releases uh, from cinema into the streaming service. Uh, I know we, we kind of spoke about this last week, but there's thinking that uh, Thor Love and Thunder could arrive on Disney Plus as soon as, as August. So um, I really like this this release cadence from Disney Plus, even if I have many problems with the actual streaming service. Um, I enjoy the content. As I've said many times, the content is fantastic. As Clinton mentioned, there's always sunny in Philadelphia. The issue that I have with that is that anything in four by three aspect ratio just gets like balked by Disney Plus. Um, so yeah, Lightyear is something that I'm looking forward to quite a lot, uh, mainly because of nostalgia. Um, and then obviously Thor, Love and Thunder as well. Uh, yeah, I think I mentioned it previously that I, I nearly went to go and watch Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And then, like two days later, it released on Disney Plus. So, um, really I, happy about that. Yeah. Have you have you watched the later Toy Story movies, like three yes, and four? I love them all. I, they might they might guilty pleasure. I've I've never been that much of a fan. I like them as much as you can like it. Um, and I tried to watch four the other day, and I could not get through it. It was uh, very yeah, uninteresting. Four is <laughs> four is not the best. I think that they should have stopped at three. Uh. But I mean, you know, franchises like this eventually they just keep beating that dead horse because gets the kids in cinemas and by extension their parents. Yeah, um, I also thought the same thing of the Incredibles too. What a letdown that one yeah, was. That was man. That was a disappointment. A real disappointment. Uh but I do I'm like I said, Lightyear I'm really looking forward to, especially with the uh the time travel aspects, I guess. Um and yeah, please don't spoil it for me. I haven't watched it yet, so the the time travel thing isn't a spoiler in itself. That yeah, is yeah. in the it's like, in the trailer. It's in the. Trailer. I think it's I think it's even in the like description of the yeah. movie on uh, on the like when you go buy tickets from the movie. It's like it's the whole premise of the movie. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Thor. I mean, Lightyear and Thor: Love and Thunder. Robin, let's talk about your movie because this is actually the one that I wanted to talk about. Yeah, uh, Bullet Train. Um, the the premise is absolutely ridiculous, and the reason why I'm kind of highlighting this movie is because it's really dumb, but in like the best way possible. So it essentially follows five assassins that are traveling on a bullet train from Tokyo to Morioka, uh, and it has everyone. Every actor is in this movie. So it's got Brad Pitt, Sandra Bullock, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson, as who you may remember as Quicksilver. In the MCU, it's also got uh, Brian Tyree Henry and Zazie Beats from the Atlanta series, uh, Logan Lerman, who looks a lot like Clinton. 
I don't know if kids have ever heard that before. Who? <laughs> Logan Lerman. Logan, how the hell do you spell that? Lerman. Okay, let, let's see. The only um, t- yeah, I can kind of see him being like my cousin. It was, sorry, not to derail us here. The, in like, when I was in high school, there was this random picture of uh, Justin Bieber doing the rounds where he was like in Paris standing on a on a ledge, on like a balcony. Yeah. And there was a person standing next to him who looked exactly like me. <laughs> I, I need to find that picture because I got, I didn't get harassed, but it was a, it was an interesting day in high school. Sorry, keep going, Robin. Cool. I, th- I think we found our head of image for this podcast. Uh, so <laughs> also got Bad Bunny, who is obviously a massive music star. I'm not too sure what his acting is like. But anyway, um, I'm really interested in this film purely for the fact that David Leach is directing. He recently did uh, Atomic Blonde with Charlize Theron. Uh, you also did uh, John Wick, and I guess a lot of these kind of really well choreographed action films where the plot isn't necessarily important, but the action is amazing. And I'm assuming the same is gonna is gonna hold true here. Um, it releases in South African cinemas on 5th of August, so if you do want to, I just kind of unplug or just veg out yeah. uh, in front of a massive, massive screen and just enjoy, I guess, two hours of craziness. And yeah, Bullet Train seems good. Yeah, I mean, like, just this cast is ridiculous. Honestly, like, there's even Michael Shannon. Like, I didn't even know that he was still acting. I thought that after um, Superman, he was like, nah, I'm done. I'm good. Thanks, guys. But yeah. I will find him. <laughs> <laughs> I actually rewatched that the other day. Some part of that movie are real bad, anyway. <laughs> Bullet Train. Oh, I'm really looking for. I love a dumb action movie. I really do, especially with Brad Pitt's in it because he's just ah. Anyway, let, let's move Oscar on. Oscar winner Brad Pitt. Oscar winner. Oscar Brad winner Brad Pitt. Pitt. You gotta remember that now. Okay, let's uh, let's talk about games now. Uh, let's start with you, Robin, because uh, this is a re. Is it a reboot or a reimagining? Saints Row. Tell us. Um, yeah, so... An F1 car just drove past Robert's apartment <laughs> there. Like um, so yeah, so Saints Row, it was initially uh, meant to release on the 20th of February. It's been uh, delayed as have many games to the 23rd of August. Uh, so, and it doesn't look like it's going to be delayed again. So we are definitely going to be seeing it next uh, month. Um, and yeah, like you said, um, for me... Uh, I can't. I don't want to speak for everyone on, on the on the podcast here, but for me, Saints Row as a franchise always felt like the poor man's Grand Theft Auto. Yep. And I never really got into the games that much, uh, to be honest, uh, when they were still, I guess, on the Xbox 360 and stuff like that. So I am kind of interested to see what uh, they have to serve up. Uh, I think those games, especially early on, were really about uh, customization and just kind of the insane things you can do in this kind of uh, this world that they, that they created. So I guess that that's kind of just my interest here, is that are they going to be kind of sticking to the same level of lunacy? Will you be able to do a lot more uh, compared to, let's say, a Grand Theft Auto, which has, I guess, a dedicated following. Uh, it's massive as, as far as the community goes. Um, so th- I guess there are a lot of things against Saints Row as far as it doing well. So I'm just interested to see how the developers have really kind of tried to tackle that. I know that when the, a trailer, it wasn't a, a gameplay trailer, but it was just like an announcement trailer for the game was released. Um, it got quite a bit of backlash as well, just as far as it trying to pander um, to a lot of, I guess, different segments of the gaming community. So for me, the interest in the game is more like, can it actually buck a lot of the... I guess early negativity or some of the stigmas that are surrounding the game and where they can actually deliver on a proper sort of experience and kind of 
go back to what the I guess Saints Row games are known about, it just being insanely crazy or and full of uh, lunacy. Yeah, with dubstep guns and stuff like that. <laughs> I am I am kind of worried about this game, mainly just because of the type of type of game it is. Um, I th- you mentioned GTA, and I think that's it's an it's an apt comparison because I mean, what are we going to compare this type of game to? Watch Dogs. Um, but I do worry that, like you mentioned, like by trying to talk to so many different people, the game ends up feeling muddied. Uh, that having been said, I haven't played it. I don't know what sort of systems are in place. Um, but it is it is a risk that you take when you try and be super inclusive that ultimately you end up kind of making not being as inclusive as you hoped or the, the, the actual product starts to suffer as a result. So I'm curious how this plays out. Uh, from some of the early footage I've seen, it's it looks a lot like early Saints Row games. Um, I, I played the first Saints Row to death. Uh, I think I played that game till I had 100%ed it. Um, and I enjoyed the lunacy and the just absolute ridiculousness of the game. Um, whereas I always felt like GTA was trying to ground itself but more seriously and hey we've got a one-to-one recreation of hollywood sort of thing um i'm a bit worried about saints row but as i said like i was a fan of the original game and i would like to see how this uh how, how this this game plays out Clinton, what are you yeah i think it's, it's all about Sorry. i guess yeah how, how long how long how engaging can be long term yeah um you think about something like Elden ring which has killed any other game this year so far yeah uh, just people pouring hours and hours into it. Uh, that's what kind of GTA was, is known for. I'm not too sure necessarily about the Saints Row universe. Yeah. Um, more recently, how it's going to perform because I think the last kind of game like this that I played was on the PS4 and that was uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 and oh, yeah. that was nigh perfect. Mm. Um, so it, again, I don't want to try and compare different studios to one another but I think Saints Row have quite a tall order stacked against it so we'll be interested to see how they kind of tackle that next month. Yeah, uh, Clinton. Yeah, so um, I got invited to a live stream of um, of this game, and I was actually going to review it. I think Robin's going to review it just because we couldn't get me a PC code for review. But uh, in this, um, the, the thing I saw isn't like private. It was private at the time, but now you can just watch it on YouTube, so you guys aren't missing anything. The reason I bring it up is just because some people did bring up some of the issues Robin mentioned, like... Um, like you can make your character look however you want, and that's their form of ex- um, inclusivity and stuff like yeah. that. The thing I wanted to mention is that they made the co- the art style more realistic, and it it's 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 weird because the game is so outlandish and goofy, and then they made it more realistic, and then they're like, oh, it looks more grounded, but now we're going to be even like more insane than ever before. So, yeah, it's. I have no idea how it's going to pan out. I didn't actually get to play the game in the presentation. It was just a live stream. So I have no idea how this is all going to pan out. But yeah, I'm very interested to see. I mean, every time we talk about a game coming out, you know, no one benefits from a bad gaming system. I want there to be only good games in the world. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how this one comes out. And the reviews, and you know, maybe I'll just pick it up for myself. But it would uh, it would need to be pretty good because I I'm so pressed for time nowadays. But I I'm I'm hoping it's good. Yeah, like everyone, I hope there's good games. Uh, only no one really wishes for bad games. That's just like a false thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, let's see. Maybe uh, 
maybe Saints Row will be the sleeper hits of the year. Well, sorry, I just want to bring up uh, Grand Theft Auto. Some rumors came out that we're going to see it either in March of 2023 or March of 2024, and there's going to be a female protagonist, and it's going to be Sid in Vice City again. All of that is rumors right now, but it seems like there's not going to be any new GTA for at least one more year, but probably two more years. I would say three, given how mm-hmm. how long Rockstar takes between releasing games. GTA 5 came out in like 2011. And that was when, like, the, the Xbox 360 I was remember. Around, wasn't I it? played it September 2013. I played it on a PS3, dude. <laughs> I can't believe it. It's been so long. It's been almost a decade. Yeah, man. Yeah. Games. Uh, right, Clinton, you've got a PlayStation game that's coming to PC man, again. <laughs> no, I, I've said this before. But a while ago, I borrowed the PS5 that is, you know, belongs to the office, but Robin keeps it just because he's the PlayStation guy in the office. And uh, I, I borrowed it for like a week while the office was closed one December. And I played all the PlayStation exclusives, which have now all come <laughs> to PC. And I think the first game I played when I borrowed the, the PS5 was Spider-Man, um, you know, or Marvel Spider-Man, just yeah. to... And now it's coming to PC. Um, it is coming out on 12th August. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's the remastered. Yeah, I mean, not mistaken. It, you can get it on console as well. It isn't just a PC release. So, man, <laughs> on the one hand, I'm I'm completely happy that it's coming out, especially for people who don't own a PlayStation like myself. But it's just hilarious. I, I did this for us, guys. I uh, I went through <laughs> the effort of, of uh, getting a PS5 and playing them. So, um Sony could be like, okay, now now release it. You're so, called so that we could run, Clinton. Yeah, I I really love this game when I played it. Um, yeah, and I think I think all of us have played it at this point. But yeah. I like have no like nothing to complain about with the original game. I do. The, I do. I have one thing. I have one thing yes. that I need to complain about. Why yes. is there a fast travel system in that game? It's unnecessary. It's stupid. The There's best only... part of traversing in that game is being Spider-Man. You do not yeah. need to use the fast travel system. Just that's stupid. That's the only criticism I have of the game. But in the Miles Morales one, you got that cool cutscene when he gets on the train. That was pretty endearing. Yeah, that's but it, anyway, same one as this. There is a. Yeah, there are oh my scenes. god! I forgot the 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 stealth segments where you play as Mary Oh Jane. no! Oh no! Yeah. I okay. That's a lie. I have a big <laughs> bone to pick. Those segments suck. Um. Any besides those things, it's a fantastic game. It's like almost perfect. Um, it's not my favorite PlayStation exclusive of all time. That's probably God of War, um, the latest one before Ragnarok. But man, it's just such a good game. I can't believe it took so long for them to make a Spider-Man game of this caliber. And I know a lot of people have a lot of nostalgia for some of the other Spider-Man games. But first of all, my vision isn't clouded by um, nostalgia because I didn't play. Oh, I played one of them. I didn't play the one that everyone loves so much. But it seems like Spider-Man seems like the perfect video game character. Mm. And it really surprised me that it took decades for them to make a game like this. Um, and for them to get the, like you said, the traversals so, you know, to nail it so well, it is the best part of the game. And you could say it's the best part of Spider-Man, you know, outside of like characteristics of him being an actual character. Um, yeah, it's, it's just fantastic. There's so much freedom in the city. The combat's really good, even though it's kind of just Arkham done again. You know, Batman <laughs> Arkham done yeah. again. Um, yeah, I'm I'm just really excited about this. This is one where 
I'll probably get it in like a few years just to play it again because I played it so recently when I borrowed the PlayStation. Um, but we've all played it, right? Yeah. Yep, 100%. Yeah, and have we all played Miles Morales? No, I haven't played Miles Morales. That is another thing that I wanted to complain again. I I know we're talking about the the base, quote unquote, the base game, but Miles Morales is so short. It's um, I still can't believe they sold they sold that as like a a standalone game. Even though they came out, they said, oh, it's like an expansion. No, that was that was DLC. So to go back to this, um, that's the you know the kind of OG PS4 Spider Man. I'm really excited for it. I'm happy everybody on PC is finally going to get to play it. And yeah, just aside from those notes, no notes. It's really good. The, the last thing I did want to mention is that the um, pricing is relatively favorable. I did have this written down. You mean 699. Words? Yeah, 699, which is very little because overseas it costs $60, which is more than a thousand rand. So I'm really happy we're getting low class pricing. I'm really happy it's on PC. And I'm happy that a company actually kept its word. You know, Sony said we're going to put more stuff on PC, and they've been putting more stuff on PC. There's, I feel like there's nothing to complain about. I know some people in America did say that sixty dollars is very steep, and I do agree with them. I I do think that games don't necessarily depreciate in value. Yeah. But I think once you get to a point where, you know, the game is four years old at this point, it's been you know ported to several uh, Sony consoles it's been now this is a remaster you know it shouldn't it should have been like $40 in my opinion and you know maybe somebody who's going to play the game for the first time they'll gladly pay $60 and they'll say that was a $60 experience you know maybe now my judgment is clouded by the fact that I played it on the PS5 and I didn't pay $60 so I'm I'm completely content for people to say to me I paid that much, and to me, it was worth that much. You know, more power to you, but I think it would have been better as a $40 game, especially because this is basically soft marketing for the next Marvel Spider-Man game. So I, I think, yeah, that's the... I, I started off so positive. I was like, I've got nothing bad to say, and then I've slowly said more bad stuff, but I think it should have been a $40 game. Uh, is You're not double-dipping, are you, Brandon? I am. You are? Oh, oh, my gosh. This it's guy, been, it's speak? been it's been four years since I played the game though. Okay, so that, that, that's fair. I did only play it, I think, like a year ago. And or, or, I also would like to use it because PlayStation games seem to do really well for benchmarking. So I would like to use Spider Man for benchmarking. And in the modding, well, yeah, that in the modding, of course. But, I mean, there's mo- probably going to be there's probably. I mean, the game, a big part of the game is unlocking cool costumes. There's probably yeah. going to be a a lot of cool costumes that come on and probably modding where you can play like SCJ from Grand Theft Auto. So yeah, that's um, that's Marvel Spider-Man remastered on the PC that is coming out on the 12th of August. Right. So my game that I want to talk about is a game that's been out for many years now, since 2017 in fact, but we are reaching the end of this game's life. That game is Destiny 2 uh, and on 24th August, Bungie will host a showcase. Oh, sorry, 23rd August, Bungie will host a showcase to showcase what's coming next in Destiny 2. Uh, so to give a bit of a recap as to what's happened in Destiny's story over the last year, um, Savathun, who is the Witch Queen, was the main uh, antagonist of the last expansion, Destiny 2's The Witch Queen. Um, and that kind of left things hanging in limbo because Savathun and the Hive that she command 
uh, have always been a sort of enemy to the people of the soul system. Uh, and the Witch Queen kind of served as a way to put a question mark over that relationship. Um, and it was really well done by Bungie because Bungie's story writing team has just gone from strength to strength over the last year. Um, since then, uh, Bungie has introduced a number of alliances or unlikely alliances. Um, the man who killed Kate Six, Aldrin Sov, is now known as the Crow, and he is an ally to the Vanguard, which is really odd. But it was really well presented by Bungie over the last year. Um, we're also friends with the Cabal, who are also an enemy faction within Destiny 2. We're also uh, allies with the Elixni, also known as the Fallen. So Bungie's been setting up this whole sort of relationship between light bearers and people who have been overthrown by the main antagonist of the game, the Darkness. Uh, and the Darkness has been sort of front and center for destiny 2 over the last or since 2018 uh with shadow keep where players discovered a darkness pyramid uh below the surface of the moon so destiny has been built or bungie has been building up this this main big bad in the darkness and the pyramid ships for since destiny 2 was released um the final cutscene in the vanilla game or the, the base game uh showcased these ships being awoken by a shockwave created by the traveler so we know that the next expansion in destiny 2 is going to be called lightfall or rather it's tentatively named lightfall and given everything that's been happening in the game there's a suspicion that this will be the big loss for uh for guardians in the game and the vanguard uh, much like in uh the latest season of stranger things <clears throat> i'm sorry for spoilers but there's a big loss at the end um, and I feel that this is what Lightfall is going to be. It's going to be the major loss before the culmination, um, <clears throat> which is uh, or the, the final expansion, which will release not next year, but the year after. So Bungie will showcase what's going to be coming in the next year. Uh, in terms of what we're expecting, uh, we're expecting a new darkness subclass similar to that of Stasis. Um, my belief is that it's something to do with the weapons of sorrow and how they function, which is sort of a damage over time, sort of poison effect. Um, so I foresee that becoming something, uh, but the real the real focus here is on the narrative that Bungie is building, and then where they go from that. Uh, there's one more major expansion after Lightfall um, that will come, and that will be the wrap up of the Light versus Dark Soul saga that Bungie has been telling since the release of Destiny 2. Uh, where things go after that is a big question mark. We know that Bungie's been working on a new IP called Matter for some time now. We know nothing about it. Um, we also know that Bungie is working on a PvP uh, shooter for mobile. Um, so what exactly Bungie is going to do with this Destiny universe is unclear. I wouldn't be surprised if they sort of end it with the final expansion after Lightfall. Um, and then start something new with a similar sort of vein in matter. Um, so I'm really curious to see what happens in that showcase, uh, mostly because it will also set up when we're going to get the next major expansion for Destiny. Uh, seeing as this showcase is happening in August, and the last showcase also happened in August before uh, the Witch Queen, I'm sort of tentatively looking at a February February release date for the next ex next expansion, but we will find out probably uh, on the 23rd of August. Interestingly, that will also be the same day that the current season in Destiny 2, uh, excuse me, Season of the Haunted, um, which is all about facing your demons and uh, facing your ghosts and heavy metal. I'm not even joking. Um, 
that whole season is about facing your your inner demons and there's been a really big build up to the season which will obviously will hopefully culminate uh with the launch of the next season we don't know what its name is yet um but yeah a lot is happening in destiny 2 in the next month um as a reminder if you are a destiny 2 player and you are kind of just taking time off from the game because it is that point in the season where things have slowed you kind of probably reached all of your achievements for the season um the solstice is going on where you can target farm armor uh don't forget to get all of your rewards from your season pass um yeah uh because we are we are approaching the end of the season and i know that it is downtime and people don't really play the game much Uh, i logged on last night and like two members of my clan were online um so yeah uh like i said 23rd of august we'll learn what's next for destiny 2 and i for one am really really excited what are the chances of Destiny 3? Um, I don't think that will ever happen because there would be way too much pushback from the community. Um, the problem is that because Destiny is played by so many people now and it's been played by so many people for so long, the amount of progress you've made... if To give you an idea, right? if I were to lose access to my Destiny 2 account right now, I would stop playing the game. Because yeah, fair enough. the amount of time that goes into grinding out things, just like armor is it's insane it's it's the um, the time sink of destiny 2 is ridiculous and if i hadn't played it for as long as i had i don't think i would be playing it right now what if it's destiny 3 but they you get to carry over all your stuff then yes i'm kidding 100% it's like if uh, it was like a Fortnite 2 yeah you've sunk so much money into the original one to yeah Try and spin up something entirely new again would be insane. Yeah, because that's the other thing, right? Is that it's not just about the stuff that you earn in game. It's the additional stuff that I've purchased, like, with real money. Like, I've spent a lot of time in Destiny. Don't shout at me for doing microtransactions because I feel that I spend enough time in that game that the amount I pay for an expansion is not justified. So that's my justification for it. Don't attack me. Uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah 100%. that would be that would be another reason why I wouldn't do that because I've just I've sunk so much money into this game. <laughs> it's just that as an outsider, everything you've described to me really sounds like an end of it, like most yeah. stuff. So it, I was just thinking, would they just say, okay, this one's done? Um, so what? My wild theory is that what Bungie will do is they will pull a, a the same sort of thing what they did with Destiny Two or Destiny the original Destiny. They'll release an expansion. They'll set out a whole bunch of balance changes or they'll continue to do balance updates and that sort of thing but then focus primary development focus will shift to their newest ip which i assume is going to be matter and i do genuinely believe that matter has some tie to destiny whatever it is i don't know but i do believe that there is some sort of connection there yeah it would also it would be insane to just abandon the destiny yeah your most popular franchise like, it, it makes so much money and it's just like become a mainstay for them to say okay matter is our new thing we're starting from zero again um it would just seem insane yeah. not wise but yeah so 23rd august really excited for that right let's move on to series and a piece of tech i don't know who to start off with here um, because both of you have selected things that are interesting. So, Clinton, let's start with you and She-Hulk. Yes, so... Attorney I spoke at about, Law, sorry. Yes. She-Hulk, I Attorney spoke, at Law. I spoke about this before because the first ever trailer we got for this movie was rough. My lord, it did not look good. Um, and I know some people have said that the version on 
YouTube doesn't look as good as the version on um, Disney Plus. I watched both. They look they looked almost the same to me. I understand one was more compressed than the other, but compression doesn't change what the show looks like. But since then, there have been a few more trailers, and I think it still looks pretty rough. But I think that the writing and the humor and the stuff that we've seen on top of that has gotten me more excited again. Some people may say it's Stockholm Syndrome, and I've been locked into Marvel since 2008, but let's not think about that. This one looks really good. Um, For those who don't know, there's some weird legal wranglings which make it so that there can never be another Hulk solo movie. Um, just because I think Paramount has the exclusive rights to distribute, but Marvel has the exclusive rights to use the character. It's a whole confusing thing. So I'm always happy to see more of Mark Ruffalo Hulk, and he's going to be in the show. We're not sure how long he's going to be in the show. He could be in like one or two episodes, but from the trailers we've seen, we've got a few trailers and a few TV spots out already. Uh, I've talked about this before. Marvel, on the way to release something, releases like infinite videos about it. And I've just gotten excited about it again. It looks light. It looks fun. I'm not sure how it's going to, you know, factor into the whole MCU. I'm not sure if something's going to happen to Hulk and She-Hulk becomes the new hero that bears the Hulk name. Because she, I, I can't remember the, the exact words, but someone says, like, you are a Hulk. So I don't know if the Hulk banner, <laughs> the Hulk banner is going to be <laughs> something that's just passed between characters and now it's going to go from Mark Ruffalo's Hulk to the She-Hulk. I'm not sure about that. But for what this is, it looks exciting. Um, I don't want to say I'm burnt out on Marvel TV shows. A lot of them have just felt so stretched and like so unnecessary. So I'm hoping for something that can just be fun more than anything else. Um, a lot of people have said this, but the current Marvel, I think they've renamed it or like retroactively named it the Multiverse Saga. It has kind of felt directionless and not that engaging. And I definitely feel that. Um, and for this, if they're just going to say, we got a big green lady and she's really strong and she practices law, I could be for that. Also, something that's interesting is that in one of the trailers, they break the fourth wall. Uh, She-Hulk she talks directly to the camera, to the audience. And mm. that, not, that might not sound like a big deal, but I think that's the first time that's ever happened in the MCU. Um, I know Deadpool may or may not be part of it. Right now, Deadpool isn't part of the MCU. Um, but yeah, if, if this show is going to be the show that breaks the fourth wall, that will be very interesting. Um, you guys, I think when we talked about this the first time, you guys agreed with me where the uh, the the CGI looked pretty bad. Um, mm. Have you watched these new trailers and have they swayed you like they have swayed me? I have not been swayed in the slightest. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think outside of, the, I guess, the visuals of it, um, I, I'm not really too uh, worried about the CGI. Um, I, I don't know. It, it just seems like they are wasting the talents of Tatiana Maslany. Like, she is a great actress, and I think, I don't know... It, well, what I've seen so far hasn't been impressive enough for me to make me say, okay, I have to watch this first day it's out on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, fair enough. I'm happy well, for, to wait a bit. Well, like I was saying, it might be that this is just her introduction to the MCU, mm -hmm. and then she, like I said, she might be 
the new Hulk going forward again. Yeah, that might be because uh, there's, there's a Thunderbolts movie that's coming out, right? Yeah, yeah, in like two years. <laughs> there's a lot of. I uh, should check out Robin's story. He's covered all the announcements at Comic Con where Marvel announced so much stuff. It's actually like spinning my head. I can't remember. Give me one second. So, um, Marvel Phase Four length. So somebody looked at how long the phase has been in terms of uh, just length, like runtime yeah. of. I'm just trying to find it. It was like a big graph. Um, I'm guessing that the fourth phase yeah, yeah. is going to be the longest. Uh, okay, so phase one was 751 minutes. Phase two was 768. Mm-hmm. Phase three was 1,500. That's a joke. Right? Phase four, right now, remember, phase four hasn't ended. Phase four is still going. Yeah. Is 2,161. What the hell? So, are they you know, including all the TV series in that as well? Well, yeah, because it's part right. of... Yes, they are. Um, which I agree with, because Marvel has says, said this is part of Phase 4. And, I mean, like Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, if you didn't watch, like, WandaVision, stuff in there may have been a bit confusing. So I do count it as the MCU, even though the C in stands for cinematic. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've gone from 700 to 2,100. Oh, and again... Phase four is still going. Yeah. So it's it's a lot to keep up with. Marvel is becoming like a second uh, part-time job here. Um, so something I ahead, just want to mention is in the latest trailer, right at the end, mm-hmm. there's somebody that appears. And you mentioning the, the that they are now retroactively referring to it as the multiverse saga, right? That's what you yeah. said? Yes. Like, is Marvel now just going to start, uh, well, we're now in this universe where this person doesn't exist and... I think it's just labeling because the Infinity Saga wasn't called the Infinity Saga mm. when it started. It was, they didn't have a name for it. And then they, it, I, I watch, I want to link people to a, a podcast called, it was a an S-word show. Um, but then you take away the I, so it's SHT. Uh, they're really great podcasts, and they covered the creation of the MCU and how difficult it was to do. And you'd be surprised how late in everything, how close to like the Avengers that Thanos was chosen as the big bad, and the Infinity Stones oh, really? became. You would be surprised because I think we kind of looking back at it with like rose tinted glasses and the fact that. You know, the work is done. They put everything together and it all did lead to the snap, right? And the Infinity Gauntlet and everything. But if you go back and you look at how these movies were actually made, that wasn't the intention for like 75% of the time. It's actually kind of a miracle that they went back and tied this all together. So for them to go back and say, okay, this has all been the multiverse saga, I don't think isn't as important as we might think it is. Um, I just want to see Brendan Witch... Is it the one that says I'm a Hulk, the featurette? Uh, no, it's She-Hulk, it Journey at Law. The main trailer? The trailer, yeah. Okay, I'm trying to, I'm just going to look, you guys can go to the next, I just want to look up what the, at character. At the end. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that it's Daredevil, but I'm not the biggest uh, comic book nerd, so I uh, yes, wrong. I think it almost certainly is, yes. He's, yeah. he's using the batons, yes. Yeah. That is, I think that is Daredevil, especially because at... Um, at the show, they announced a new Daredevil show that oh, okay. has the um, Charlie Charlie Cox, Cox, right? Cox, yeah. That's right, yeah. Yeah, he is returning as Daredevil, and spoilers, he was in one of the Spider-Man movies already. Yeah. So, 
Uh, Brandon, you're all right. I don't think that's even a spoiler. It's a trailer. I think trailers are fair game. That is, that is, you know, and it would be it would be a shame for him not to appear in this because exactly. he's also a, he's also a lawyer. Exactly. <laughs> so, that's what I, when I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, that makes that, that makes total sense. She Hulk and Daredevil. Sorry, man. So much is happening every day. I forgot that a major character was shown in the trailer for another major <laughs> character. So yeah, that is She Hulk Disney Plus, seventeenth of August. Okay. Uh, and let's move on to you, Robin. We'll wrap up with this. Uh, Neil Gaiman's Sandman. I know a lot of people have been looking forward to this one. Yes, uh, I think I've probably been looking forward to this for more than a decade. And that's not just because Netflix are doing it. Um, that property, The Sandman, um, as a graphic novel, is pretty iconic. Uh, but it's a property that Hollywood has been trying to turn into something else for a number of years now. I remember that uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt was first initially attached to make a movie um, that fell through, but now we have our property and it's a series and I think that's probably better served uh, concerning kind of the stories that Gaben kind of weaves um, th throughout their graphic novels. Um, so for anyone unfamiliar with The Sandman, uh, it focuses on a character called Morpheus, also referred to as his dream. Um, and in some kind of, I guess, ritualistic ceremony, a bunch of humans trap him on Earth for quite a few years, eventually escapes. Um, but when he does make his escape, he has lost a lot of his, I guess, uh, these objects that he's imbued with power. So he's on a mission to essentially get all these objects back and kind of return to his uh, original state. Uh, and yeah, that it kind of chronicles that whole journey. There are, I guess, some links to other Marvel characters because this was published under the same uh, kind of banner. Uh, but I don't suspect there'll be any kind of MCU tie-ins. I think this is a completely separate self-contained uh, property. So uh, Dream, or Morpheus, however you want to call him, will be played by Tom Sturridge, who I have seen in a few films, but isn't necessarily the biggest name, which perhaps isn't a bad thing. Uh, some other actors uh, attached to the project are Gwendolyn Christie from Game of Thrones uh, Brienne of Tarth people might remember yeah. she is playing Lucifer we also have Jenna Coleman uh, I see that uh, Boyd Holbrook from uh, Narcos is attached as well he'll be playing Corinthian who is like, essentially the antagonist for the for the series mm. and then yeah so there have been a few trailers been released. Uh, Neil Gaiman actually did, I think, a, a piece with Variety, kind of breaking down what he saw and what he's what he's really interested in, and perhaps giving a bit more background for people that are unfamiliar with the property. So that was quite good. So I think there is certainly a lot of interest in this uh, series. Um, it releases on the fifth of August, so it's pretty much around the corner uh, that we'll be able to kind of binge and uh, on, on everything that Netflix has created. And from what I've seen in the trailers, it looks pretty true to. I guess the graphic novel, obviously, they can only do so much CGI work on Tom Sturridge to kind of look like uh, Morpheus because he is quite gaunt, quite thin in the face. Yeah. And uh, there's only so much you can do as far as that's concerned. But yeah, it looks pretty good, uh, at least from the trailers. And um, I am advising that, say, for example, someone that isn't aware of the property or is interested in it, I would suggest if, for example, you have something like Audible, to listen to the audiobooks of The Sandman. They're really good. Um, James McAvoy voices uh, Dream in those, and he gives a pretty good performance in that. Just to kind of give you some context, some background, uh, to kind of just ensure that you are aware of what's going on. I'm not really too sure how deep into 
the uh, the graphic novels, the first season of The Salmon will go. So uh, from what I'm seeing in, as far as the cast is concerned, it'll probably be the first two parts, which is essentially Dream will be be captured by humans as in that ceremony that I mentioned. He will escape. And again, this isn't... This isn't a spoiler. It's all in the trailers. It's, yeah. it's pretty well known already. Um, and then his kind of journey into the underworld to kind of start regaining some of his powers back. And yeah, so 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 far it's kind of ticked all the boxes I would need from a Sandman series. It's just now to kind of see whether Netflix follows through because they do unfortunately have a spotty history when it comes to adapting properties. And I'm I'm kind of looking at Cowboy Bebop here uh, in particular. Yeah, I'm. I will say that I was. I was really excited about this until I learned that Netflix was behind it. Um, because when it comes to written works, they do tend to miss the mark a lot of the time. However, because this isn't a movie and it's a series, I am kind of more hopeful, I guess. That having been said, um, I mean, Netflix's live, anim- live action adaptation of anime has just not gone down well. Um I don't know if that's just a fact that because Netflix doesn't really understand how it doesn't understand that art form. I don't know. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just, I am tentative about this. Like it's such a big property from such a big author. Um, and especially given how, like, oh, how, what's the word? um obsessive neil gaiman fans are i think i've been kind there um just and how much they love his work uh i i really am worried about this one a little bit so it looks like he's kind of given his thumbs up as it were i'm guessing you've got a big fat paycheck so he's not gonna say anything (laughs) he's not gonna say nobody's ever gonna say oh yeah this show i worked on was terrible until after the fact clinton you want to say something you guys know why it's called morpheus the sandman no it's because the name Morpheus comes from Morphia, which is morphine, which knocks you out. Oh. It's, something, it's like one of the only things I know about ye olde English is the, the term Morphia. But yeah, I, I wanted to bring that up, not just because, like, oh, here's a cool thing. <laughs> um, but because people be like, why is it called Morpheus? Isn't that the guy from Matrix? Uh, Matrix? No, the, the name Morpheus has been used in, uh, in you know, fiction hundreds of years if not thousands of years and it comes from the word morphia which is morphine so you know if people are reading or watching something like oh morpheus has nothing to do with the matrix i think that's just the most famous morpheus and yeah that's why the sad man he puts you to sleep his name morpheus which is morphine that's uh that's why it has all those funny names that's why he has two names for those ones the sad man if they don't put that song in there somehow i'm gonna be disappointed i'm so surprised they didn't use like an edgy redub from oh, a band Mr. you've never Sad heard of man. yeah bring uh, yeah i'm surprised they You're didn't gonna get uh, oh sorry are <laughs> <laughs> you singing too good brendan <laughs> i was in the right key right okay i think that's gonna wrap it up from us um we've been going for a very long time already don't want to take too much more of your time so we're gonna wrap it up here um We'll have links to all the stuff we've discussed. We've discussed uh, trailers as well, maybe. Um, but everything that you need to know will be at the bottom of this post. Uh, click those links at your will. Uh, and from myself, Brendan Lodge, cheerio from Matos. Bye, everybody. And from Robin Lichetti. Take care, everyone. And shout out to my neighbor for renovating at the moment. <laughs> and for driving an F1 car. Yeah. Uh, that was probably them too. <laughs> all right, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Cheers.
sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time.